Hello and welcome to another episode of the Feels Like 45 podcast. This is not Cade Webb. This is Dustin Ragusa doing Cade's normal sign-on. Cade had a personal issue come up tonight, last minute. He had to uh, he had to step away, but we've been doing this for about a year now, and this is the first time this has happened, so don't get mad at him. He's fine. He'll be back next week for, the, for our last guest of the Big 12 preview episode, but I got a last-minute addition from one of my good buddies, Randall Dryden. Randall is one of my good friends from OSU. We lived together in Houston when I moved there after college, and he is just an awesome all-around dude, especially for coming on the podcast last minute. Randall, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, how's it going, Dustin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, really glad to be here, and I know I have uh, huge shoes to fill, so hopefully I don't uh, mess up too bad. <laughs> No, uh, no, Cade's, Cade's actually not very good, so you'll be <laughs> I won't tell him uh, you said that. <laughs> Randall is a big-time OSU fan, though. He knows a ton about Oklahoma State football. thought he was a good guest to bring on and talk about extreme camp, fall camp, some notes. We're going to hit our depth chart, which I teased on Twitter earlier this week. So, Randall, let's get right into it. You know, the Cowboys started spring or fall camp last Wednesday, they all reported on Monday, did some meetings and everything on Tuesday, got at it on Wednesday. They started in full pads on Tuesday of this week. We're recording on Wednesday night. And it has been pretty interesting, the notes that have come out so far. So we had my buddy Robert, shout out to Robert. He was at Extreme Camp. He sent me over some notes. I kind of wanted to read through just his his overall highlights. And then he also provided us some info on who looked good, where people were slotting in. So we'll do that when we get to our depth chart later, but Randall. So Robert says, cowboy culture is a real thing, not just a talking point. The player staff they're they're all bought in this season. So it's his first time at extreme camp. So I know that that was like a big thing for him. He said, he thinks Blaine green and John Paul are in for big seasons. And that basically the entire team looks incredible shape wise. Shout out to Rob glass for that. Ollie Gordon looks huge as advertised. He said he was getting a lot of reps, uh, even with some of the ones and twos. He said Jabbar Muhammad, he thinks, is going to be a stud future this year, lockdown corner, future high round draft pick. All he said about Kendall Daniels is built different. He, He compared him to Trey Flowers, but maybe better. And then he said he loves seeing zero and one out there at linebacker. D-line is as good as advertised. And then he just wanted me to put this disclaimer on there that if you haven't been to extreme camp and we're on the fence about going, if you got the extra funds, definitely throw it at the university and have yourself a good time. He said it was a blast and he really, really enjoyed it. Randall, any, any takeaways from those notes on Blaine Green, JP, Ollie, Kendall Daniels? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, first of all, it's awesome to be back. You know, I, I feel like after the Fiesta Bowl, it's kind of, there was like a, a, a lull and I just wanted more football. <laughs> I wanted, 
you know, this time to be here. And so I'm really glad it's here. Um, you know, right off the bat, I, I think, you know, obviously everybody's really excited about Ollie Gordon. I think, uh, you know, watching him uh, in practice, obviously, you know, he's got, he's going to get some touches and that's super exciting. Um, he looks you know, huge in all those videos. He, I, I mean, I would not want to mess with him <laughs> ever. I mean, he's, he's a ginormous. DeAndre um, Jackson looks big too. When they've been showing those videos, yeah. like thick. Dude, I, I know that it it's been understated, but you know Rob Glass, he deserves every penny of that oh, yeah. raise that he got. I mean, he, the way that he transforms guys. Um, I remember when I was there, I I hung around Justin Blackman when he was a freshman and a sophomore, and we would we were all laughing that like. Man, this guy, you know, he's he's tall, but he's really skinny. And then all of a sudden, he just, uh, it just years under, you know, Rob Glass, he just, you know, bulked up and became the superstar that he was. But yeah, it, it, it's crazy the way he transforms bodies. Um, but Blaine Green being out there in the cowboy bag position, I mean, come on, he's huge, and it's, it's going to look like ten personnel because, I, it, because he's not. He's big enough to block, but he's so electric as a wide receiver. We saw it last year in the TCU game. I mean, it's going to be really tough to scheme against that. I, you know, and it, it, I think that that's that that's what that position has been missing. You know, we really have been missing this like you know big body receiver that can also block in in they've brought guys into the program that have done really well, like, you know, Blake Jarwin. And, um, you know, I, I think that a few years and he's going to be, you know, one of the top, you know, targets in this offense. I mean, it, the way that they can use him is so versatile. It's, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm just excited that it's here to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm, I'm really pumped too. So, Randall, what I wanted to do is get into some kind of notes. You know, we got our buddy Robert giving us some info, had talked to a few other people. You and I have both been kind of keying in on a lot of the articles that were written about camp from the media, Pokes Report 247. So just want to kind of talk through some of the bigger things. But one thing Gundy mentioned about fall camp, they just put the pads on. He said they're going to be really physical and practice hard. I love that. And it sounded like it was a uh, it was a really good practice throughout extreme camp as well so that was this past weekend got their friday saturday sunday i got to see the agenda looked like a lot of fun you know they have to get together at gundy's house on saturday evening so that all seemed really fun i think it was about 120 people but they're back uh they're back on the field in full pads now i think what everybody wants to talk about randall though is the offensive line and i've been getting some mixed kind of signals here so what i've heard from extreme camp was the first line that went out there was caleb etienne at left tackle taylor matirko at left guard preston wilson at center hunter woodard at right guard and jake springfield at right tackle but i've also seen robert allen on pokes report say that joe maholsky has been getting some run at left guard and that taylor matirko has been working out at tackle Randall, what what kind of scenario would you love to see? And and including like throwing a Jason Brooks in there, maybe beating out a Jake Springfield at right tackle, Casey Collier maybe coming into the mix there at either of the tackle spots. What it what do you think about this offensive line and what kind of concerns you there? You know, the 
the hardest part about being an OSU fan is is basically you know the offense lives and dies on the offensive line, um, and and lately it hasn't been too um, ha- hasn't been too great as far as depth goes. And yeah, you know I I, I read you know, Gundy's basically saying they have the depth. They like the guys. They, they really are comfortable with who's there. I, I'm a little surprised that um, Jason Brooks, you know, Queso, he's one of my, one of my, you know, personal favorites. Uh, he Love hasn't really, um, kinda, he, I, I'm surprised he hasn't stepped up more, but I, you know, just getting into the program, I understand, you know, but I, I like Jake Springfield there. Um, also it's interesting that, um, we, we don't hear, uh, Tyrone Weber's name being thrown around. Cause I know that there yeah. was some, it, there were some comments about how, you know, he looked, um, so it's that's, and that's kind of the weird part is it sounds like Matirko and Maholsky were running with the ones and then Weber's kind of been stuck with the twos, but apparently he looks really, really good. I, I know I saw that. I got this info recently that was talked about at extreme camp, but he came in at 268 when he showed up from New Mexico military Institute and he's 302 pounds. Now. Oh, wow. That's, that's insane. And I, I do feel like he will push there. Um, I, I do feel like he'll push that left guard spot. And, you know, honestly with, with uh, Matirko or Mahalski, you know, you really can't go wrong there i think the the most important position to me is going to be how etienne does uh i've heard nothing but really positive things um that makes me really excited about you know where we are on the offensive line that we have you know another solid left tackle there uh you know obviously there's always going to be some uh injury worries but i think you know you know if if he can stay healthy i i think that the rest of the offensive line can really kind of rally around him yeah and and we'll get to the offensive line a little bit more in the depth chart preview but some other just kind of notes from fall camp how it's going right now i sticking on the offense talking about some of the spring or the uh skill players Apparently, Brendan Presley has been held out of some of the full contact stuff is what I've seen, what I've read. I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, I know he's going through stretches, the drills and everything, so it doesn't seem like it's a huge issue, but maybe just a precaution. I know I know, Talon Shetran has been doing a lot of stuff on the bike still during contact. Shetran makes a little bit more sense because he's this you know, highly touted recruit who got hurt in the spring you maybe want to work him back slowly. What's the point of throwing him into this, as Gundy said, really physical practice right off the bat when you've got a lot of depth at receiver right now. But the Britton Presley stuff is a little bit concerning. I would love to kind of see some news that that has changed. But, you know, behind him or with him, John Paul Richardson is a great player there. So, and then along with the running backs, we talked about Ollie getting a lot of reps. Sounds like DeAndre Jackson is probably the best blocking back on the team, especially in pass pro. If I know, if I know Mike Gundy, that's going to get DeAndre Jackson some snaps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's one of the things he always harps on for sure is like, you, you, you want to play running back, you got to also block. And <laughs> so I could definitely see him getting on the field. 
Yeah. And it, it's, it's cool to hear that Ollie Gordon apparently is very vocal. He's kind of helping lead the running backs with Dom Richardson, leading them through stretches, kind of, kind of pointing out where to go and things like that, getting them fired up. So that's awesome to hear. I know a lot of people, not so much myself because the backup quarterback, but a lot of people are interested in the backup quarterback. Sounds like both guys look good. Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel. I think Gunnar has been doing a little bit better in some of the accuracy stuff, accuracy stuff, and he looks a little bit more comfortable live. But I mean, that's expected. He's been there for a little bit longer. What I've heard about Rangel though is he's he's a lot more mobile than I think a lot of people thought. You know, when, when I wrote about him, I knew he could move around a little bit, but it sounds like he's got some escapability. Not so much as a Spencer Sanders type runner, but able to extend plays to where he can make the throw downfield. So that's pretty cool. Randall, who, who do you see kind of fitting into that QB two spot? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a gunny team without, you know, quality reps and experience. Right. So I, I definitely want, we'll give the nod to, to Gunner. Um, I, I think he's got the, kind of the experience to go behind there. Um, <clears throat> but it does sound like that Rangel is, is pushing him. And I think they're both um, doing well. Uh, obviously, I, I think I saw that uh, Casey Dunn said, you know, I'd really like to see them in in a game. Uh, I would too, because that would mean that we're, you know, up uh, a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing them in a game either. But, you know, I, I think it's just a question mark right now because, you know, the, the there is no really experience. We lost Shane um, to Nevada. So, <clears throat> but I, I will give it to, to ring. I mean, to uh, Gunner right now. Yeah. I, I just, I would be shocked if they rolled out Rangel, if Spencer went down hurt like early in the season, I just think that would be too quick. Not, and I, I think Rangel has big time upside. You know, we've talked, Kate and I've talked about him plenty of times on this podcast, but it's just a, like you said, the experience thing, you hit it right on the head, but a couple other notes before we get to kind of the, uh, the depth chart full breakdown where we'll talk more about fall camp stuff. But I know John Paul Richardson has really impressed a lot of the people, the alumni that were there for extreme camp. It seems like he's really impressing the coaches as well. Only good things to say about him. So that's great to hear. Langston Anderson, one of, one of this podcast's favorite players. He has apparently been doing really well, getting a lot of reps. I think Casey Dunn really wants him to kind of break out this year. He had a couple quotes about it. So if he can stay healthy, that would be big time. And then Jaden Bray just continues continues to make plays. And it sounds like Braden Johnson's back to full speed. I, I'm excited about this wide receiver core. I know, I know losing Tay Martin, they don't have that kind of go-to guy. And people think, you know, it could be Jaden Bray. Maybe they go to the slot more with a Brennan Presley. But overall, and we talked about Blaine Green already, I think this wide receiver unit is fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, the hard part about last year is that they were all freshmen. The best part about this year is they're all, you know, a majority of the the wide receivers, they all, they have experience. They've been in game situations. They've, they may have dropped some passes, you know, here and there, but they're, they're better this year. And that makes me a lot more comfortable with who they are and, and where they are. I love seeing um, Braden Johnson back there on the depth chart. Um, uh, and I 
also am a huge Linkston Anderson uh, fan. I just really hope they bubble wrap him until he can <laughs> actually step on the field for that first play because we know that even walking out of the tunnel may be uh, an issue as well. Yeah. He's just had a rough go of it. I think I saw too, like right before he got to camp, I don't know if it was when he first started Oklahoma State or something, he got in a car wreck too. Yeah. So just ah. – I mean, he's just had a rough go of it. So I'm hoping he can get on the field. I also forgot to mention Braylon Presley. Apparently he can get open with ease. I, I think there's a little bit of, you know, learning how to play at the college level, learning the scheme. That's going to take him a little while. I wouldn't expect to see a ton of reps in big games early on. I, I think we see him in the non-con, but I, once you get into big 12 play, I think maybe his snaps drop off, but I think he's going to be a huge asset for the future and what do they list him at? Like five nine? Yeah, I, yeah. I he, saw this photo. I saw the photo. He might be five six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the thing that he has is just pure talent. I mean, yeah. I don't know what that family has in the water, but they just churn out these. You know, these brothers are just so talented, <clears throat> and basically everything that they do is just you know fast they can run great routes they've got good hands so i'm excited to see where he goes in the next few years and speaking of those slot receivers again i know we've hit on a few times but it sounds like uh maybe some brennan presley and john paul richardson on special teams doing some of the returning punt kickoff i I think they might mix in a few others on kickoff but I like those guys back there returning kicks and punts because Brennan obviously has the dynamic playmaking ability and John Paul's faster than you think. And just, he doesn't drop, he doesn't drop anything. No. And I, you know, I I think that's the, the best quality for him is, I mean, he's fast and he doesn't drop anything and that's what got him on the field early on. And and that's, what's going to keep him on the field. I mean, you, you look at, you know, Gundy's offense and third and seven throw it to, you know, Braylon or Brennan Presley. And then if he's not on the field, then John Paul will be there wide open. I mean, that's just <laughs> what the offense is going to be. I just, I have a feeling. I love it. I love it. So we mainly in, in our fall camp notes, I know we mainly talked offense. So I think for the defense and we can get to more of the fall camp stuff with this, let's just go ahead and start on the depth chart preview And we'll start with the defense, if that's okay with you, Randall. So what we've been doing on this podcast, Cade and I, is I'll kind of read through him, read to him where I think the depth chart is right now, and then we kind of discuss it from there. We'll put it out on Twitter after the podcast so you guys can follow along like we have been doing. So I'll go through the defensive line, talk on that. We can talk linebackers, and then we'll do defensive backs. So let's start with the Leo position. So I kind of cheated. I put two just because I think they're going to rotate out so much. I mean, you've seen the quotes like I have from Derek Mason about putting three, four. He said he even has like five guys that he wants to rotate in, which we'll get to who we think those are. But I've got Brock Martin and Colin Oliver at the Leo spot. Then at starting defensive tackles, I've got Brendan Evers and Sionia C. And then at the other defensive end spot, which would be your strong side hand in the ground defensive end, I've got Tyler Lacey embarrassment of riches i think that's <laughs> i mean I, that's any, all i have to say any any issues there do you see like is there anybody that you think 
is maybe not a one out of that group. I, I think that one's pretty solidified no. out of the out of the groups. Yeah, I you know, and I, I actually saw that you know there's even going to be some situations where Tyler Lacey comes inside, right, and and yeah. plays more of the tackle spot. I mean, there the out of these guys, there's so much versatility there. There's so much productivity that. I, I don't worry about this. I, I feel sorry for opposing Big 12 uh, offensive lines. I think they're just going to bully everybody. <laughs> and then spe- speaking of bullying, Colin Oliver had this quote. Last year I played at 220. Right now I'm at 245. I think it'll help a ton. Like I, like I said, I feel stronger, quicker, faster, and all that stuff. Rob Glass got me right. So Colin Oliver last year was beating people more with his speed rush, which – if you haven't watched his OSU Max film review with him and Rashetti Jones, it's awesome. But you know, he talk, a lot a lot of the clips he showed, he's talking about where he's kind of just on a straight speed rush. Well, putting on twenty five pounds of muscle, and now he's faster, and he looks huge in that film breakdown yeah. video. Like now he can do a little bit more. I think of that Brock Martin kind of bull rush, strong arming guys, then making a move with him being so quick and athletic and. Like you said, I think that's going to be a nightmare to scheme against, especially when you have him and Brock on the field at the same time, which I'm sure they will do. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he didn't even have a sack until midway through the the year last year and ended up with 13. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that blows my mind if you think he's a that. freak. I mean, just that. And, and by the way, true freshman, you know, like yeah. that. That's one thing that. Hey, a year before he was getting 13 sacks in the Big 12, he was playing high school. I mean, I would <laughs> love to see that film. It's like, uh, it's like a you know steam steam uh, uh, roller coming down the path and just <laughs> knocking people out of the way. It's just, just it's awesome. It, we probably shouldn't have started with the defensive line because people are going to listen to this and be like, "Okay, I'm turning it off. These guys are just you know sunshine pump and drinking." But I, I really think. <laughs> they're going to be that good. And I, 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 I even, I want to just go straight to the twos on the defensive line, but I want to move through the way I laid it out. Cause Cade will get mad at me for just jumping all over the place. I already did that with the quotes <laughs> on the, on the camp. So, so let's move, let's move to linebacker. I don't think there's any real question marks here either. I know both the guys I'm about the name aren't very experienced, but I, from everything I've heard, what we heard, what we heard about Extreme Camp, what we've read from Fall Camp, from RA, and from the two four seven, from Cody Nagel at two four seven, and just what we saw in the spring, like you and I with our own eyes, I think it's Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. There's nothing. There's been nothing but you know high praise from both of those both of those guys, and you know, I think uh, even though he hadn't really been in the program, Xavier has you know, a lot of experience. And so I think that's really kind of carrying him um, to that position. Uh, I, I'm excited for these two guys. I mean, you think about what we lost last year um, and, and what we're bringing in. I mean, you got two guys that are unproven, but I, I feel good about them. I, Mason Cobb seems to, to really stand out. I mean, you know, if they didn't think he was good enough, they would have put Lamont Bishop, you know, right. but I just think, I think these guys are going to be good. Yeah, no, I, you nailed it. There's not a ton to say. Cause we talk, 
Kate and I, and I mean, you and I off the podcast have talked about these guys a lot. I think the issue here, and Gundy kind of alluded to it in some of his quotes, it sounded like he's a little concerned about linebacker spot just due to inexperience. And then he talked about running back just because I, I don't think he or anyone else really kind of on that coaching staff in the media think there's a true, you know, Kendall Hunter type, just kind of lead back, Chuba, Justice, one of those guys. I think it's going to be a little bit by committee. And on the linebacker front, Xavier Benson started as a freshman at Texas Tech, played really well. He's very solid in coverage. He's going to be a really good weak side linebacker for Oklahoma State. But he was in JUCO last year. He did win Defensive Player of the Year in his conference. But he's been away from D1 football a little bit. And, you know, he took some time to gather himself. I believe he left Tech for some personal issues, kind of get his mind right. Came back, had a great season in JUCO. But JUCO is not D1 Power 5 football. And to come straight away and be able to start at that spot that was manned or that position just in general manned by Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, it's some big shoes to fill. So I don't think we should, I'm not, and I'm not saying Randall, like I think they're not going to be good. I'm just saying it might take a few games for them to kind of get their feet under them. Mason Cobb got some snaps last year, but they weren't real meaningful. I think they're both awesome, but I, I think it's going to be, kind of a learning experience at linebacker at first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the great news is, is this year, um, even if the linebacking core isn't as strong as they were last year, we still have so many pieces around them that I think we'll make up for it. Oh yeah. I, I, this defense is going to look totally different than it, than it did last year. But at the same time, you've got a lot of good pieces that that really going to fit nicely together that'll really make kind of the back end of the defense, you know, pretty sneaky good. I mean, I I, I wouldn't say that they're going to be uh, amazing yet because we haven't really seen them play together, but I, I got a good feeling about them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So we'll wrap up the first string defense with the defensive backfield. I'll read these through these real quick. So Jabbar Muhammad at one corner, Corey Black at the other, and then at the safety spots, you got Thomas Harper, who I think will play that strike kind of nickel back position, Kendall Daniels, and then Jason Taylor. Kendall Daniels will play that. Noel's called it bandit. I think Mason's going to call it the same thing. It's kind of like the strong safety spot. And then Jason Taylor would play that rover or free safety I like everything I'm seeing here. I feel really good about Kendall Daniels running with the ones. I know there was some talk maybe in the spring about him having to work his way up there. I feel pretty confident about the ones on this, just from what I've heard from fall camp and from extreme camp. I, I think, I think this is the crew in the defensive backfield. Again, kind of like the linebacker spot outside of Jason Taylor and Thomas Harper got Jabbar Muhammad and Corey black, who if you go look at PFF, they actually had quite a few snaps. It, it's not, they're not as inexperienced as you think, especially with the bowl game and everything. You got Kendall Daniels, who's inexperienced. But like you said with the linebacker spot about the other experienced guys kind of building them up, I think with guys like Jason Taylor and Thomas Harper back there at the safety spots, kind of leading this defensive backfield, I'm not worried about maybe some inexperience here. And Randall, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think this group athleticism wise, maybe more athletic overall than the group from last year. 
definitely agree. Um, you know, the, one of the things that, that, you know, Derek Mason keeps kind of hitting on is, is flexibility, uh, which I find really interesting that he keeps kind of, you know, saying that. Um, but that makes me even more excited because, you know, you have three guys that feel very good about starting and guess what? You can place them anywhere on the, in the backfield and let them do their thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm personally, he said, he said Jason Taylor has been rotating at all three safety spots. So yeah. to your point, flexibility there. I, I mean, and, and we all know what Jason Taylor can do. And you just put him on the field and he just makes plays. He has an affinity for being at the right time, the right place. I, I rewatched that Texas game uh, a few weeks ago and we were dead in the water until that pick six. And you just see him and his football IQ is so high that he just knows where to be at all points in the time. I think Kendall Daniels is going to grow into that position. We uh, we haven't seen anything from him, but I'm not worried about it because, you know, he's six four. By the way, he's huge and he's long. He's rangy. If he got any kind of speed on him at all, I mean, he he will be there making plays. You know, maybe not the first two games, um, but. Big 12 play, I feel very confident that he's going to be every bit of the player that we signed him to be. Yeah, I I don't – I'm not concerned. I felt more concerned in the spring than I do now. And obviously, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, that's just me talking myself into this defense, into this team, like I always do every season. But I really do. I think Jabbar Muhammad – I know people – uh, yeah, Jabbar Muhammad's really good. He's coming back. He's he's a strong player. You know, he had quite a few snaps last season, like I mentioned. I think people are going to be shocked at how talented he is. And, you know, our buddy Robert mentioned it. I, I, I said that he had that as one of his notes that I kind of called out at the beginning. I think this guy's going to be a true lockdown corner, and I seriously think he's going to be first or second team all Big 12 this season. I'm, I'm not even joking on I, that. I mean, I could see it. You know, he got thrown in the fire in Notre Dame. And, you know, those guys, they, what happened? I mean, you saw their performance. And like you said, they've gotten a lot more snaps because it's not like, you know, we only go with the two cornerbacks. You know, there's always uh, a third one, you know, roaming around and, and a lot of the looks. And then on top of that, they rotate in, in and out. So I do feel very comfortable where we're at with the cornerback. We may not have, you know, a four-year veteran starter, A.J. Green-esque, you know, uh, Christian Holmes. Like we don't have – we may not have that guy yet, but I feel very confident that – these guys will be every bit as good, um, you know, as, as those guys were. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Jabbar Muhammad, he's, he's got that kind of physicality and that lockdown mentality where you could put him in the boundary, not have to roll a safety over and just kind of let him work. And then on the other side, Corey black, he's fast. He can play the field side. He can play that wide side and, and kind of work there and he'll have safety help over the top. So I think it's going to be awesome, but let's get back to the defensive line and let's talk about second string and we'll talk about some other guys who are in the mix. You know, we mentioned the Leo position and Derek Mason saying there's five guys who'll be rotating in. I think the, the true second string guy who I think 
ends up with the third most snaps at Leo, but I don't think he's way behind Brock Martin and Colin Oliver. I think it's Trace Ford. Mike Gundy just said recently in his uh, ahead of this Wednesday's practice that Trace is a full go. Protect him in practice. We'll let him go through individual drills for three or four days. But then the ne- then the next two or three or four days, we're going to put him in some individual contact stuff. And then we get a couple weeks out from the first game. We'll throw him in team concept. So I know right now he's mostly been on the bike, but he's been going through drills, like Gundy said. And I just think – I think he's – not going to be – he may not be like 100% Trace Ford that we saw. I mean, he's going through two ACL tears, but I think he's going to be almost 100%. I saw somewhere – I didn't even know this. I think they asked Gunny in his media day. He was going to the away games on his own while he was injured, the Oklahoma State games, <laughs> which is pretty wild. And also Derek Mason said guys like Trace Ford, Brock Martin have been keeping him up all night, just texting him questions about different things to do in different scenarios when they're at home watching film, Trace Ford is locked in and ready to go. And I I think that's going to be awesome. And before I flip it back over to you, Randall, just to round out the rest of the defensive line with the twos, going Samuel Tuahalamaka at one of the defensive tackles, Colin Clay at the other one, and then Cody Walterscheid at defensive end, but I really wanted to put Nathan Latou there. So we can flip back to Ford for a second as well, but overall thoughts there and overall thoughts on Trace Ford coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, I personally think that he's going to have um, a pretty r- really good year this year. I I know college football um, a little bit. I watch a little bit, and and you know these guys are going to forget about him and forget about how good of a freshman year that he had. They're going to you know a lot of those offensive coordinators they're going to be scheming for Brock Martin and Colin. Uh, Colin Oliver and they're going to be looking for him so I you know if if we can get those three guys on the field which it sounds like you know we may see some looks I think he's probably going to have a pretty decent year he like you said he may not be a hundred percent back yet so they may be a little um, you know uh, better with his time and less snaps but I do think he's going to have a really really good year just based on all the other guys that are going to get looks and and get double teamed and stuff like that, letting him get open and get to the quarterback or make a play. Uh, uh, The other guys that I was kind of um, surprised to hear and actually glad as well is uh, Colin Clay. I mean, he came over from Arkansas, you know, transfer. I was really looking forward to seeing him, you know, kind of play, well, his little brother's been making more noise than him. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and so we've really wanted we've really wanted him to kind of step up. And I'm glad to hear his name get out there because you know it seems like he's had a really good fall camp and obviously earned that second spot because you, you the names that you you know you you hear behind are you know uh, Xavier Ross and and Aiden Kelly and those guys were making kind of noise last year during you know camp. So I'm glad to hear that he's kind of stepped up and uh, you know and Samuela has had a an, a monster camp as well and put himself in a position to play. I I like those the second string. I don't think you can go wrong um, first or second string there. I, I I do feel like they're going to rotate in a lot. And those, I just pity those offensive linemen, you know, that they have to go up against. And and that's the, that's a great point. The rotation. I, I wanted to get to that because 
heard Sione C talk about it after practice. You know, he said, you know, I'm 300 pounds. I'm going to get tired. Guys need to rotate in. I put Samuela and Colin Clay there because though I've, I've kind of gone back and forth with Samuela and Xavier Ross and Aiden Kelly and Colin Clay. I think the first step chart Kate and I put out in the spring had Samuela and Colin Clay. I went back to that, but I almost just want to put slashes with Xavier Ross and Aiden Kelly there, who you mentioned, because I think these guys are going to rotate so much, kind of like they did last season. I think you're going to see Evers, a C. They'll probably have the most snaps, but I think you'll see Samuela, Colin Clay, Xavier Ross, Aiden Kelly. They might all finish with almost the exact same amount of snaps at the end of the season. And it's awesome to be able to have that depth because all I've heard about Aiden Kelly so far in camp and in the spring is that he's bulked up. He's ready to go. He's had that time, you know, from high school. Now he's been in the system and he's, he's got the strength and the mental put together now. And I think we see him out there a lot as well. And then at the Leo spot, along with Ford, Martin, Oliver, I think we even see some Tyron Irby and Ben Kapinski out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think, uh, I, you know, the funny part is, is I feel like Ben Kapinski was was thrown into the mix last year just based on need, and he he performed pretty well. So he kind of earned, you know, getting some playing time and getting out there. It's kind of crazy to me that uh, Tyron Irby isn't out there in you know he's not a starter. Like yeah, he, a lot of teams he probably would be. But the problem is we have so many guys <laughs> on that front line that it's like wait. How how did this happen that Oklahoma State ended up with these embarrassment of riches on the defensive line? And I know that's been there. That's really one position. I mean, I in the great the great part is is they all get great playing time because, like you said, they need to rotate out, keep fresh legs. You know, with the up tempo that happens in the Big Twelve, you know, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna see a guy that that's going to be able to do 80 snaps by himself. So right. a lot of these guys will get, will get playing time. And, you know, it's, it really is the slashes the further you go down the depth chart because they're really all going to rotate in and out. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know I mentioned his name, Nathan Latou. I, I think he overtakes Cody Walterscheid at some point for that kind of second string spot. He's just, he's just too good. So done with the defensive line. At linebacker, I think one of the names here might be a surprise, and it's solely based on his spring and fall camp performance so far. I think he's worked his way into the two deep. So I've got behind Mason Cobb, I've got Lamont Bishop, who you mentioned when we were talking about the starting linebackers. And then behind Xavier Benson, and also he could probably play behind Cobb as well at the at, at middle linebacker or weak side. Number 45, Jeff Robertson. Yeah, Is that's that- is that surprising? That's a surprising? I know a lot name. of people have Nick Martin there. I think Nick Martin's still in the mix. I think Jeff Mar- Jeff Robertson has really, really not surprised, but just shown out and caught Derek Mason's attention. And I think Derek Mason likes him in this rotation ahead of guys like Nick Martin and Donovan Stevens. Well, everything that I've I've kind of heard and, and read about, you know, what Derek Mason values is hard work and, you know, giving it, trying not to be somebody else, being who you are, making the play, being, being there. And so, you know, if, if Jeff Robertson is having that kind of camp, I trust, I trust, I trust Derek Mason. I mean, I do. And and I think that, you know, if he's, if he truly is in that, in that second spot, then, 
yeah, I, I'm all in because you don't really hear a whole lot about him kind of last year. And then all of a sudden his name is popping up. So he must have worked real hard and, and kind of got himself in the position to, to play. So I'm excited about that. Um, we will see. I do think that that linebacker spot is a little thin. So I think those guys are all going to get a lot of uh, experience, and a lot of playing time. So I do feel like regardless of who's in that second spot, they will um, also get some playing time. Uh, yeah, as no. well. I, I think you're right. And, you know, Nick Martin could end up with just as many snaps as Jeff Robertson at the end of the season. I just think that's where it looks right now. And I didn't really caveat this very well at the beginning of the depth chart. This is where we think the depth chart is right now. Yeah. I think it could change. And we'll talk about this when we get to the offensive line. I think it could change greatly before the first game. Okay. Let's wrap up the defense. Talk about the second string defensive backs. We've had Cade and I've had a lot of discussion. Cade's very concerned and rightly so about the backup cornerbacks. As of right now, I think, and this kind of makes sense with some of the stuff we saw in the spring game of who was rotating in. I think the twos at cornerback are going to be Cam Smith, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast and DeMarco Jones. But I think Jordan Regan, Cam Epps are right on these guys' heels. And this is a spot for sure. I'm glad I brought that caveat up right before this yeah. because I think this really changes before the first game. And I'm not sure who's going to be on that first depth chart. And then at the safeties, I like Shawn Michael Flanagan backing up Kendall Daniels at that bandit spot. Kanai Williams backing up Jason Tabor, Taylor at the Rover. And then I think that other safety spot is kind of up in the air. I put Lyric Walls right there, but you know, Nick Session, Ty Williams, Ray Gay, who I had believed was a cornerback, I think has been getting a lot of snaps at safety. And it sounds like he's been making some waves. So I know he's a really talented high school player. It's kind of all over the map here on the defensive back with the twos, Randall. I, I really, it could be completely different than what I just said for the first game. And I wouldn't be shocked. Well, and I think that's the point, you know, is that there are, yes, there may not be as much experience there, but there's a lot of guys that uh, are making plays. They're, you know, basically getting better during, during this fall camp. I feel like, you know, and I think Gundy kind of alluded to this, if not, you know, downright come out and say it is that, you know, they, they've really come out this, fall camp and it's been a really good fall camp they've been able to rotate guys in and out and so those those safety in the the cornerback spots those are really important because you know there are going to be so many wide receiver sets you know in the big 12 and so if we can get any sort of production out of these you know guys then i think we have a really good chance of making this secondary unit one of the best that we've had in a really long time other than last year yeah i completely agree and you know and then there's even those young guys coming in like dylan mckinney who our friend of the pot adam Lunt, i know is really high on a really talented player true freshman but heard he's been performing well as well so i think we feel pretty confident I think you and I feel pretty confident about the ones. The two seems a little up in the air everywhere. I think the defensive line, there's not really going to be a twos. They're going to put something on the depth chart, but they're going to be rotating in so much. I love Jeff. Jeff Robertson was a guy that I called out in the spring, and I, I'm happy to kind of hear that he's still performing well in the fall. 
And then Cam Smith kind of making waves is, is big time. So I, I'm excited to see some of these younger guys maybe get some snaps, get some reps in these non-con games with, you know, especially like an Arkansas Pine Bluff. I, I'm, I'm not sure how long the starters will be in there. You, you'd hope they're I mean, not in there. even uh, Arizona State. I mean, right. I don't even know if they have a team to field. They, that might be a forfeit before we even get hit. <laughs> Go ahead and roll Gundy, uh, Gunner out there. Yeah, you probably will see some Gunner out there. So that's kind of I, – I think it's interesting to talk about, and that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about this because I know you and I have a lot of discussions about this off air. But yeah. before we get to the offense – Let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor, Price Buckley. Price is a fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, go Pokes, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com backslash price hyphen Buckley. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Awesome. So, Randall, let's get into the offense, who I think we maybe varied the lead a little bit here because I think people already are on board that the defense is going to be good. If they if they weren't just from some of the guys returning, everything they've heard, I think the defense has been hyped a lot. Gundy has been hyping the defense. You know, whenever he's hyping something to the media, (laughs) he truly believes in it. So let's get the offensive line. We talked about it a little bit. Again, kind of cheated here, but with the ones, I've got left tackle, Caleb Etienne, who you and I talked about a little bit ago. Left guard, I put Taylor Matirko and Joe Maholsky there right now. I think when I release this, I'm going to pick just one, but I wanted to kind of discuss both there. Center, Preston Wilson. Right guard, Hunter Woodard right tackle Jake Springfield. Is this the most concerned about unit you are on the entire team? And if, if yes, or even if it's in your top two, tell me why. Well, it definitely is. And I think it's because, um, you know, you you look around the rest of the, the team and there's been proven starters there, or at least guys that have, kind of been in the mix um and in here you really other than you know Preston Wilson Jake Springfield and Hunter Woodard you know they, they got they they obviously oh and <clears throat> you know Taylor McTierko and Joel Mahalski they while they were getting snaps the offensive line just got beat up last year and and I think if you look back at the Big 12 championship, yeah, I, I mean, they, they just got bullied. And, it's a and tough I think position. It is. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like the, the weird part is, is that from everything I've heard and, and read is Gundy feels more comfortable with this group and where they are. I mean, he even went so far as to say that they've almost got three deep at every position, um, which is, is interesting because I don't think I've ever really heard him say that. And I think if he we bashed could, them all last year, yeah, oh, every, every oh time Spencer gosh. had a big game, he, he, I mean, and you know, sometimes rightfully so they had some struggles in pass protection, but I think like you alluded to and not to cut you off, that was more due to the injuries than it was really to the bad play of the offensive line. 
Well, and it didn't help the departures last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you had some guys leaving the program or you know, before the first game. Yeah, and, te- and, and Tevin Jenkins, those guys like Tevin Jenkins, stuff like that. So. Yeah, and, and so it's it's good to hear that that there there is a little more confidence in the group this year. I think if we can just nail down five guys and just have them keep the, their position and keep them healthy, I think this group will be good um, because honestly – as you said, you know, earlier, this could, this could change and there could be guys coming up and, and taking some, some spots over from the ones that we, that we think are going to be the ones right now. And honestly, that only does us a better, it does us a service of those guys in the twos coming up in the ones. So we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of question marks. It does kind of make me a little nervous, but I'm always nervous when it comes to the <laughs> offensive line. Cause I feel like there's always something bad that happens. Um, yeah. I'm going to knock on wood right Birmingham. now. It already has with Cole Birmingham. I mean, yeah. And, and, you hit on something there that I wanted to kind of go back to with the guys coming up from the twos being the ones. So the one, the negative way to look at this, and I'm sure my friend, Michael P is going to love the positive spin I put on this year. So shout out to him. (laughs) The negative way to look at this is they don't know who's going to start. They're putting too many guys out there, but the one positive way to look at it is you've got guys like Matirko, Maholski, Eli Russ, who are getting snaps at center guard tackle, Moving all around, you've got a guy, Preston Wilson, who had who was recruited as a center, has played both guard and tackle in game snaps, and now he's back to center. You've got Hunter Woodard, who may be one of the better guards in the conference. He he is, in my opinion. So I know there's question marks, but you're getting you've got guys who are getting experience at multiple different spots. They're going up against one of the best defensive lines in the Big 12 every day in practice, which I I think maybe gets understated a little bit because these guys are having to work against really, really good players. So all that to say, I I think there's some, there's a ceiling there that this offensive line can reach. If everything goes right, like you said, if there's no injuries, nothing like that, and you know, the guys are going to get banged up, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom here. And, and, and you hit on it as well. You've got guys, you got Hunter Woodard saying this about Caleb at the end. I'm not supposed to talk about certain guys, but I will say this. I think Caleb is probably one of the most improved players on the entire team over the last year. I'm extremely proud of him and his development, and he's not the only one either. And you got Spencer Sanders going on a rant, backing up his offensive line, which is awesome. I I think the team has really kind of t- – the offense has taken to Spencer as a leader, even though he's kind of a quiet guy. So it's awesome to see those quotes. But all that to say, enough of me rambling, is – I think there's some optimism there with the offensive line and you're hearing it from Gundy. You're hearing it from the offensive lineman. So I want to be interested to kind of see what happens and how it shakes out with the ones. Yeah. And I mean, I guess you, you really hit on it is that, Oh yeah. Spencer Sanders is the quarterback. Yeah, He's been there for four years. And I think it would be a little more concerning if it was a less experienced guy. Um, but you know, honestly, uh, he may if you give him a little bit of time you can see that he creates plays and he he can he can make 
things happen. It's that when he got into issues last year, it was because the offensive line had injuries. They had some missed plays and therefore he tried to make something happen that wasn't there. And so I do feel like even if these guys aren't going to go down as the greatest offensive line that OSU ever had, they have one of the best, if not the best quarterback right now in the conference. So who's got insane escapability who can get out of pressure with his legs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I, it may be, it may be coming from a point of optimism and excitement for the season, but, you know, I do believe that if you give, if you give Spencer Sanders five, 10 seconds, I mean, 10 seconds is a really long time, but, you know, five seconds, he's going to make some great play happen. And I think these guys are going to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, even, even just give him the, what is it like the 2.9 or whatever that they say is the time a quarterback needs to throw it. Even just give him that, you know, at times he wasn't even getting that last year. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Running out your third offensive line, third string offensive lineman. So all that to say, we're talking ourselves into optimism. We're still concerned though about the offensive line, but what we're not concerned about is some of these skill position guys. So let's run through the wide receivers and the Cowboy back. So what I've done, I was showing four wide receivers, which would get you to 12 players when I'm showing the Cowboy back as well. Let's just show it like it's 11 personnel because I truly think they're going to have Blaine Green and Braden Casty out there a lot. And when they do go 10, we can hit on that as well. So wide receivers, I've got Jaden Bray and Braden Johnson on the outside. And then I've got Brennan Presley as the one with John Paul Richardson as a slash because if they do go 10 personnel, like I just mentioned, I think those two will both be out there. Cowboy back, I've had Braden Casty there since we did our first depth chart. And for the first time, I've put Blaine Green up there. And I just I just think from what I'm hearing in fall camp, he's going to be the guy that gets more snaps. Maybe he's not listed as number one on the depth chart going into the first game, but right now I believe he's getting more snaps than Braden Casty at Cowboy back. Yeah, we we had talked about it earlier. Is I mean, he's a, a nightmare matchup. I mean, how is a linebacker supposed to cover him? Like, how how is a safety going to cover a, a two hundred twenty pound bowling ball that's you know quick, got great hands? I, I just think he's he's too good to leave off the field. Um, no offense to Braden Cassidy. I know he's really good too, but I mean, Blaine just really showed out what he could do last year. Um, as, as far as the other, you know, skill position goes, I mean, I'm excited to see what kind of next step uh, Bray can take. He, he, he flashed a lot last year, but how much more can, can he step into that Tay Martin, you know, number one wide receiver role, or is it going to go to Braden Johnson, who's obviously a smaller guy, but, you know, right now, outside of uh, Brandon Presley, there's a lot of, there's a lot of targets open. And I feel like Bray is going to eat up a bunch of them. And I'm, cannot be more excited to hear and see like him out there on the field, just making play after play after play. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so excited about Jaden Bray. I think he's going to be amazing. You said it perfectly. I think John Paul Richardson, I know we've mentioned him now like 
10 times, but <laughs> I think he's just, I think he and Spencer have a really good connection. I know they've, you know, kind of a lot of their own time spent watching film together. John Paul's trying to learn his tendencies. And I think with his sure handedness, you know, we've seen Brennan Presley get a little, have some drops here and there, you know, kind of lose, lose the football at times. I think John Paul might be not so much a safety blanket, but I think Spencer feels really confident in throwing him the football in traffic. I wouldn't be surprised to see John Paul finish the season with a lot of catches. Yeah. I mean, I could totally see that, especially, you know, we know Spencer Sanders and he loves the safety blankets. And if, yeah. and if, you know, John Paul could be that guy third and seven, that's, that's exactly what we need. Oh, that's yeah. exactly what we need. hundred percent. Okay. We won't, I don't think we should hit too much on the first string running back, first string quarterback. We know Dom Richardson is going to roll out their first string. So we can kind of chop, chop it up more with the second string guys. And then Spencer Sanders, your first string quarterback. So let's move. If it's okay with you, Randall, let's go ahead and move to the second string offensive line. <laughs> Guess. I don't know what's going on here, but this is what I've got. Left tackle behind Caleb Etienne. I've got Casey Collier, the USC transfer, who I've heard is absolutely crushing it strength and just kind of knowing where to be he's got some mental i think technique and technique things he needs to work out i don't think he'll push for a starting spot on either side but i definitely wouldn't be shocked if midway through the season he kind of maybe takes over but it it may be into next year i think he's got some things to work out but apparently everything sounds like he's really talented and has high upside tyrone weber I've got him at left guard behind the Matirko Maholski conundrum that's starting there. I think Weber pushes for the starting spot, and I would not be shocked if he's the one left guard going into the first game. I have Joe Maholski at center. I was, I think, I think there could be some switching around here with Maholski and Eli Russ. They Eli Russ was the center basically all spring, with I think Jake Henry was there because so many guys were hurt. Now they've got twenty guys suited up, so a lot more than the like nine they had in the spring. But I think Maholski at center with Eli Russ at right guard, but interchangeable there. And then Jason Queso Brooks fighting for that right tackle spot. And I truly think he is going to take over that right tackle spot before the first game. If not before the first game, before the first conference game against Baylor, I just have heard too many good things about him. He's very experienced. I know he's, projects more as a guard has looked better at guard at Vanderbilt, but I think he can switch to that tackle role. And I think he eventually takes it over from Jake Springfield. Yeah. I mean, I could see that everybody's super high on him, And, and honestly that that's better for OSU, right? Because if some of these twos take it over, like I said earlier, then you just have, uh, experience depth experience and depth and that's something that we've been lacking and i think you know obviously we brought in a bunch of guys you know from the uh the class below but you know the the recruiting class last year but though they're not going to be a ton of help and and we need that depth we need to have guys that are short you know short up and there's gonna you know there's probably going to be uh, some some bruises, some nicks, some small injuries. I'm not 
hoping for anything big, but some of these guys that aren't maybe in the starting position will find themselves in the starting position at some point in the season. And that's only going to do OSU more service if some of these guys can beat them out in camp before we even get to the first game. Yeah, no, you're, you're a hundred percent right on that. And I think one younger guy, since you mentioned the younger guys to keep an eye on is Austin Kowecki. I think Dickey really likes him a lot. I wouldn't expect a true freshman to come in and get snaps on the offensive line unless there's like a million injuries. But I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Maybe you see him in one of the non-con games. So I we we don't know. We don't know what the second string offensive line is going to be because we don't know what the first string offensive line is going to be. So I'm going to put something out. I'm sure you guys will shred me apart on Twitter. But that that's what we think um, from what we're hearing and just what we've seen and what we saw last year. So – Let's move to this backup skill, guys. I've got Langston Anderson and Rashad Owens on the outside. And putting putting this together, they're pretty thin at inside receiver. And what I mean by that is I, I think Braden Johnson and Rashad Owens, who both had snaps on the inside, if there were injuries to Presley and Richardson, I think you would see those guys slot over. But I'm going to go ahead and put Braylon Presley there. And I know I'm – I'm someone that said I don't think he'll play a ton because of his size his freshman year, but I don't know who else they're going to run inside. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is funny that you mention it because we talk about how solid the starting wide receiver core is and, and kind of the depth on the outside. But because Brennan Presley and John Paul have kind of locked up the inside, we don't really think about hey, there may be some depth issues behind there. Now, like you said, it couldn't, there could be no issue that, you know, we couldn't need anything behind it. But, you know, if Braylon has to get on the field, I do feel like he will make a few plays. He'll, he'll definitely um, wow people with his speed and his, you know, kind of his, his hands. And I, I think that's, you know, once again, only going to benefit OSU. If he can get in the first few games, um, then, you know, he, he next year he comes along and he's going to be 10 times better than what he is this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And we hit on Lance and Anderson already, so we won't, won't go through that again. But Rashad Owens is a guy who has showed the coaches he's willing to play outside, inside, wherever they need him. I know he had some – you could probably blame, I think it was two of those Spencer Sanders interceptions partly on him due to some of his route running and just kind of their, them not being in sync. We talked about it last season when we did our game breakdowns after the games. But I, I think Rashad is a guy that has a ton of talent. If him and Spencer are on the same page, he's somebody that can make a lot of plays. And then a guy that we haven't even mentioned, Bryson Green, there's not enough slots on my Excel spreadsheet to put him in but I think he definitely gets some snaps. And Casey Dunn also said Stephon Johnson coming in from the recruiting class is making a lot of noise. I, I wouldn't expect to see him get meaningful snaps, but that's awesome to hear from a, an incoming guy. And then with Shetron, just the last guy we didn't really mention, I don't think they're going to rush him back from that ankle. I don't think it was serious. I'm not saying that. I just don't know why you would, when, when you've got so many outside receivers like we've talked about, I don't know why you would rush him back from an injury. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the best part about um, 
this team is, is that, like you said, there's guys that played last year that aren't even on the first or second string depth chart. And that's saying something. I mean, Bryson Green, he looked pretty good last year. Um, but, you know, if these other guys are, are going to be ahead of him, then maybe it's better he kind of grows through the year that he didn't have, you know, he didn't have any growing pains, you know, that he had to go out there. He had to, he had to play and now he could maybe have an opportunity to get a little stronger and, and sit back and then be the guy that, you know, basically comes along and is wide receiver number one. So I will see, I mean, you know, what I get out of the wide receiver cores, I'm never worried about him. I mean, Casey Dunn knows what he has. He's really smart about where to put guys and, and when. Um, Rashad Owens, he definitely – I'm interested to see how much he's grown um, from year one to year two. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's awesome talking about some of these outside guys. And I know we were a little skeptical about the inside depth, but there's plenty – plenty of guys to go around outside. I mean, we can't even fit them all in the depth chart. So um, real quick, we talked about Gunnar Gundy at quarterback. Won't go through that again. We already, we can already kind of hint on him versus Rangel. Braden Casty, we kind of know he's the backup cowboy back there. And really we think he'll get a lot of snaps. Quentin Stewart and Tabu Shetran, I think they could maybe get in the mix there at cowboy back, but I don't know if there's really a discussion because I think Blaine Green and Braden Casty are going to take. 90% of the snaps in, in Big 12 play, maybe 95. But let's get to the running back spot. We're now starting to hear Gundy talk about this maybe being a little bit more of committee as opposed to Dom Richardson getting 18 carries a game like he was saying in the spring. I don't think that's any fault for of Dom's. I just don't think – I don't think there's that back on the team. Like we mentioned, like the Kendall Connor, the Chuba Hubbard, the Justice Hill. I Just talking to some, some of the recent guys – so I've got Jaden Nixon here, but I've heard Ollie Gordon's been getting a ton of reps. DeAndre Jackson can pass block, and then we're not even talking about CJ Brown. Do, how do you think it? So how do you think? Let's say Oklahoma State's running the ball pretty well, but they've handed it off to Dom and Jaden, and even DeAndre Jackson gotten a carry. Do you think Gundy would just say, okay, let's keep riding Dom until he shows he can't do it? Or do you think they continue to kind of mix it around the entire game? In my opinion, I think they kind of just lean on the hot hand. So I guess if Dom's, Dom's killing it, keep giving it to him. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ollie Gordon gets a snap and snaps, snaps in meaningful games. Yeah, I, I saw an interesting quote um, that was – it was funny because he said – I think it was Casey Dunn said, if Dom can get 30 carries a game, we're okay with that. And that, I don't think that's realistic. I, I don't. I don't see him ever getting 30 carries in a game. And if he does, then something had to have gone um, terribly wrong. But, yeah, I agree. It, hot hand, they're going to – I guess terribly right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or terribly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I do think they're going to have the hot hand. I mean, clearly, if you look at that backfield, you have Jaden Nixon. You saw him during the TCU game have that massive run. You've got Ollie Gordon, who is apparently kind of the alpha of, of the group. And – 
which is funny because he's a freshman. Um, but you have those guys kind of waiting in the wings. So it could be a situation where Dom doesn't get, you know, a yard here or there or, you know, something happens. I could kind of see them maybe not um, rotating him out, but not he's not getting as many carries as, as the other two. And I know. Well, and if he can't pass, if I, I think he can, but if he shows some faults in pass blocking, I think they instantly put DeAndre Jackson in there if he's better. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird year because I think this is really the first time in a while you you don't really have a, a running back one, right? You don't have a guy that Gundy can look at and say, go get me 10 yards. You have three guys who can maybe get you five or six, depending on where, you know, where they are. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens in that in that position because I, I I get the feeling that while Dom's number one, he's not really got a big lead. He's, right. He's kind of borderline number one starter, um, which I hate that for him because I'm a huge Dominic Richardson fan. But you know that means that those young guys, they're they've got they've got the tools and they they can be fast and and get good carries in. And I'm a Dom fan as well. I'm I'm a big Jaden Nixon fan too. I think he's got that home run ability. I I think they were hoping they could maybe just straight up redshirt Ali Gordon. But I think after after spring, fall, they're seeing that maybe they do need to give him some carries. And maybe that's someone they're not sure Dom and Jaden can handle the full load. And someone the fact that maybe he's just that good. Well, and he's gonna have to get in the mix. I, yeah, I mean, I I truly think it's okay. He's performing way better than we thought he was. He's he's looking more the part. You've talked about you you've heard the coaches talk about his his form and his physique and kind of how he doesn't look like a freshman right now. And then in that's interesting to hear because typically Gundy's not very high on freshmen, but. If he's truly coming out and saying that, oh, he's the alpha of the group and, you know, he's very vocal, he's the leader, he's they're they're finding it hard to keep him off the field. And that's a good thing, especially for OSU not having a uh, running back, uh, a starting running back. Yeah, no, you nailed it. All right. That was it. We got through the whole depth chart. It only took us like what, like five hours. But <laughs> that was great convo. I hope you guys liked it. We'll do one more probably before the season starts. I'll release this one on Twitter sometime uh, tomorrow, which is when I'll put the podcast up. It should be Thursday morning time when both these come up. So look out for that. Randall, thanks so much for going through that with me. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. 
This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Home Field Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. Now we're going to get to your listener questions. We've got two voice messages this week. We've got our guy, Ryan Winkle, continuing his streak. So we'll go to him first. Ryan, thanks for sending this in. What up, dudes? If you could only go to one of the uh, home football games this season, which game would you be most likely to pick? And also, who is this jack wagon that voted Texas number one in their coach's poll? So we, we didn't hit on the coaches poll because I knew we were going to get a question about it. But if you didn't see, OSU came in at number 11, their third Big 12 team behind OU at 9, Baylor at 10, and Texas did get one first-place vote. Mike Gundy did not vote this year. I I don't know if Sarkeesian did. I didn't see him on the list. He, he did not. He, he did, did not. not. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I have a – I. Okay, obviously I don't I don't know. This is just my opinion and it's kind of funny, but I think it's Nick Saban that voted them number one because <laughs> then he can have another top forty-five win in the second week of the of the year and you know kind of just obliterate Texas and say, Oh, well, like but they that. were top twenty-five. That's big brain thinking by you and by Nick Saban <laughs> if he did that. I I love that. But no, honestly, that was really strange that they got that vote. And they're what? What were they actually ranked? Uh I think they were 25th, yeah. That's absurd. But anyway, I, I think I think the the co- the coach's poll is just so tough, you know, especially when it's coaches voting from outside the conference that you haven't played in forever that only are really watching their team during the season and teams they're going to play. So I, I take it with a grain of salt. It's cool to see OSU at 11. Obviously Mike Gundy has a lot of respect, but um, yeah, I, I don't really know how much you can glean from the oh, coaches. Oh, excuse me. They were, it was 18th. 18th. Okay. Um, yeah. Same. Um, I mean, still way too, way too high for a first place vote. Well, and, and honestly, I mean, Gundy's hit on it multiple times. Why do we even have polls until, you know, the playoff? Like, you, you just don't know what a team's going to be. A team in the very beginning of the year does not mean that they're going to be the same team at the end of the year. There's been yeah. multiple cases of that. No, I agree. So one home game this year, if I had to pick, man, I – I want to say Texas homecoming, but that's hoping Texas is good. <laughs> the person who gave them that yeah. one first place vote is right. I'd probably say that, but it, I'd probably say the first Big 12 conference game, even though it's Texas Tech, if I could only go to one game all season, that'd probably be the one with the most kind of hype, especially if we come off beating Baylor and Waco riding into that tech game, first time seeing the boys since that with that big win. That would be an awesome one. I think you gotta go Texas homecoming though. I the the home schedule is not amazing this year. You know, you've got Baylor on the road, you've got OU in Norman, you've got K State in Manhattan. So 
TCU in Fort Worth. So it's really the, the non-con, you know, like you mentioned, Arizona state's down Arkansas pine bluffs, not, not a very good team. Central Michigan can do some things with the running game and things like that. But I think I'm gonna go Texas game. Yeah. I, I would just to give a different answer. I'll go with Iowa state. Uh, I like that. I, I, I hate Iowa state. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Oh wait, I do 2011. <laughs> broke all of our hearts and then on top of that uh matt campbell he's just like the media darling i'm i'm happy that there's another conference you know road game or game that that we can actually kind of get hyped about because like you said the home schedule is is not as good this year and i think last year the heartbreak there and and you know fourth and one i don't i'm not even gonna bring it up because bad memories but i do <clears throat> i do want to get a little payback on iowa state um i'm not worried at, uh, about texas as much but who knows they're they are a wild card they've got a lot of guys coming into the program that you know could be really good but yeah i'll, I'll go with iowa state i like that okay we've got one more Voice question from from my guy Camp. Shout out to Camp for sending this in. He's one of my buddies. Uh, got to see him recently at Oklahoma, during Oklahoma State baseball season. So Camp sends one in. He sent one in before, but normally they are uh, very long. So this one looks like it's long as well. So we'll see. What's up, guys? It's Camp. Uh, before I ask a question, I just want to get something straight. Um, Ian Boyd, if you're listening to this, I just need you to know that OSU has a better chance of winning the Natty this year than Texas has of beating Kansas. Um, and with that being said, Dustin, Cade, I just want to know how good of a chance do you think OSU has of winning a Natty? All right. So, Kent, taking shots at our guests. <laughs> I respect it, though. I respect yeah. it. They did lose to Kansas. No, Kent, mean, thanks for sending that in. At winning a natty. It, I mean, it's a it's a hard question, right? Because you have to get into the big you have to get into the Big 12 championship, and then you have to win that to get into the playoff. So how about we don't And you still have it? to beat OU. Like exactly. I know we did it last year, but it's still Bedlam. I'm not – I think we're better than OU this year. I'm just saying you still have to win Bedlam as well. Yeah. So You got to go maybe, undefeated, right? Maybe maybe not like winning a natty. Let's, let's take a step back and let's say <laughs> what are our chances of getting into the playoff? Because if you look at the schedule, yeah, we play OU on the road. Um, we play Baylor on the road. But, you know – I have confidence that Baylor, our our offensive, you know, our offense lost the game, right? To Baylor, I, they played a good game. Their defense played a good game, but a fully healthy OSU offense would have won that game over and over again. And in fact, they beat them earlier in the season. So, as much as that experience, I would like to say that you know, it matters. I still think that OSU can beat Baylor. Now the question does become OU and 
with how much turnover they have, I know they're always going to be good, but I do like our chances. Obviously, going undefeated is crazy, but um, I don't see a real game that scares me right now um, on this on this schedule. Yeah, I think that's the thing, though. Like you hit on, it's just it's going undefeated. I mean, yeah, when has OSU done that? You know, it's it's just it's just it's just tough to say. But I love you know Kemp's very optimistic, like I am. We talk a lot, and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm not even gonna give it a percentage because every time I give something a percentage, something <laughs> bad happens. I'm not even do it. I, I'm gonna say it's it's fairly unrealistic, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Now, Big Twelve championship game, I think it's quite a bit more realistic. So if you get there and win it, and you only have one loss, you know, maybe like you said, you get into the playoff and. If, if you get there and win it and you're undefeated, you're obviously getting into the playoffs. So we'll see. We'll see. I yeah. Mean, I, we're hyped I, up I, now, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you just not listen to the whole podcast? We are <laughs> we are all in on OSU. <laughs> okay, so we got a few uh, listener questions on Twitter as well. Matt Claxton, at Road Crew one Matt sends us in some good questions. He said, I need you to give a rating on Malcolm Rodriguez's dancing from Hard Knocks. I'm going to give it like a 9 out of 10. Oh my god! I wish I could dance like that. He I, was moving I, his feet quick. Yeah, my wrestling I, right there. I, look, I dance sometimes, and my wife <laughs> I've looks seen at me it. like I'm crazy. <laughs> so if I could just get that, please, Malcolm, if you're listening, please come teach me teach how to dance because <laughs> I, it's not good. It's not good. So and if you if you don't know what Matt's referencing, um, Hard Knocks on HBO is doing the Detroit Lions, and they had the first episode last night or. Was it last night? It was yeah. last night. Yeah. yeah, released last night. Yeah. And Malcolm Rodriguez got some airtime at the beginning talking about training camp. He said uh, he loves it or it's awesome because you get to hit people. They show him blow up a screen, which was probably one of the only like really solid plays they showed on the yeah. defense. And then they showed him do the dance. Um, him and Aiden Hutchinson, they both had them. It was for like the, you know, the rookie kind of talent show thing. They both showed theirs. Aiden Hutchinson sang Michael Jackson. And then uh and then Malcolm did the the dance, the salsa dancing. The salsa dancing. And it was uh it was cool. He I think he's gonna be like one of the main guys they show. Yeah. And I mean, everything that you hear coming out of that uh, Detroit Lions camp is all really positive on Malcolm Rodriguez. I mean, and if you watched Hard Knocks, you see that he's right up Dan Campbell's alley. I mean, oh, I yeah. don't I don't I know a player Campbell. that's like fit in a better system than Malcolm Rodriguez in Dan Campbell's <laughs> defense. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Dude, I, I was talking to uh, our friend who, who you know as well, Alex Fuller, but about the and some of the other guys in our group message about that first uh that first speech Dan Campbell did in full, I think Fuller said he had to pause and go like get some work done. Cause he was so fired up after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was about to run through a brick wall. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's going to, you know, obviously the NFL is super tough, so I, I want him to succeed. Um, I don't it's know if he's Detroit will Lions. Yeah, it's the Detroit Lions, but man, I don't know of a head coach that, that has a better, you know, outlook on football than Dan Campbell. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, he was doing the up downs with his team. I mean, I was like, no, thank you. I thought he was gonna do like ten and be like, all right, good job. He did the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. 
but uh yeah no that was awesome it, I, I would say definitely tune in i think it's gonna be fun the first episode was good some seasons you know they're a little boring but that first episode was a lot of fun so um next we've got brian metcalf at brian j metcalf brian thanks as always for sending good questions he said can you discuss the pff grades on the returning starters was surprised to read john paul richardson was the highest graded receiver returning so he's barely higher in offensive rating than brennan presley i think he's like 0.5 higher i think the thing with the pff grades we got into a little bit with ian boyd and i know randall you and i have talked about it they're kind of erratic and all over the place if you don't have a lot of snaps. Like the highest graded receiver outside of Tay Martin is Clayton Barber, who had one target. He's got a 72.5. And I'm not, I know John Paul Richardson had a lot of snaps, but only 27 targets compared to Brendan Presley's 80. And, you know, Jaden Bray being out there for much more snaps. So, I do think we've hyped up John Paul Richardson this entire podcast. I do think it's a good sign. I do think he's a very good wide receiver, but it's hard to kind of compare some of these PFF grades when you've got different, such different amounts of targets. Like you're talking about John Paul Richardson, 27 to Brendan Presley's 80. Like I said, that's a huge discrepancy. So it's a little tough, but I do think it's a good sign. I do think he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, if he can continue to to have that production, I'll I mean, I'll take that any day, even if it's you know, um, I, I don't I don't see I don't see that being a problem at all. Yeah, no, neither do I. Okay, so in, our next one is from M at Camera One at underscore Camera One underscore M's always send us in questions. We appreciate this one, M. He said supposedly DeAndre Jackson is our best pass blocking running back in camp. Is he a dark horse candidate to make a bigger impact this season than people think? Honestly, Randall, I don't think we really need to cover this one again. Yeah, I, I should have shouted this one out earlier, but we kind of went into if his pass blocking is that good and some of the guys in front of him like Dom and Jaden show that they can't do it, he is going to get more snaps and carries just because we're not going to want to only put him in in passing downs and give that tip you know, to the defense. He'll start getting second, first down, non-passing down, snaps and carries because that is a huge deal especially when you're talking about an offensive line who may have a right tackle position that's a concern you can line your running back over there to help out in kind of a max protection situation so you want a good blocking running back out there I think if Dom and Jaden do a good enough job they'll stay out there but if if they don't I think DeAndre Jackson's coming for their snaps yeah I can totally see that especially um, you know, the way the offense runs. I mean, you gotta have a good blocking running back. And if he really is in that position, then he it's gonna be hard to to keep him on the bench. Yeah, I completely agree. All right. Uh last one we've got and sorry, if anybody sent me after Randall and I recorded at kind of a weird time, it wasn't like so. We may, have, we may have missed one here. These were the ones I had written down from earlier. So we've got Oakley Burklow at Buffalo Oak. Thanks, as always, for sending yours in. Always great questions from, from Oakley. He said, if you could choose any stadium upgrade to increase the fan experience, what would it be? Wow, that's, a, that's an awesome question. I, there's just have, so many so things have you that are like seen, running through my head. Have you seen the Mississippi State upgrade? 
I've, I heard about it. They can, can explain tailgate. to the listeners. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Mississippi State just unveiled their new, I guess it was the upper deck to their stadium. And within the upper deck, along with the kind of bleachers, they also have tailgate areas that you can bring all like of your, your own stuff. ice chest. Yeah, your own ice chest. And stuff yeah, like that. everything. And, and you can tailgate in the, in the stadium, which uh, that is awesome. I. I think that that is a super fun idea. Um, I don't know if it'd really work in Boone Piggin Stadium, but yeah, it'd be, I mean, it'd be weird to figure out where to put it. But that honestly, I may go with that because that sounds awesome. When I saw that earlier, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, just that even the renderings look cool. I mean, you've got the bleachers in the middle that you can go like kind of walk over there, but then all the tailgates are on the outside section so um you know you hungry go grab some food you know you need a beer just right down the way i mean and i love tailgating so i'd be very down for that yes we know that you love tailgating (laughs) (laughs) no that no I, i think i'm gonna go with that as well but guys thanks so much for the questions the two voicemails i think the four or five questions we really appreciate it every week randall I know I've already told you thanks like 500 times off the pod, but thank you so much for coming on. I know Cade really appreciates it too. Like I said, he had to step away for a personal issue. You came on with like a couple hours notice and were able to fit this into your schedule and record for way longer than I told you we were going to go. So (laughs) apologies for that, but man, it was a blast and a lot of fun recording with you. No, thanks for having me. I, you know, I could probably go on for another few hours about Oklahoma State football. <laughs> Our wives will kill us. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my wife is just happy I could get it out of my system so I don't say anything for the rest of the week. She's like, I don't care who the third string <laughs> wide receiver is. Like, go talk to somebody else. Well, you can always talk to me, Randall. And, and we do, but it was great. You know, like I said, we used to live in Houston together. Really only get to see each other if one of us is traveling or at the game. So we have our group message, but it's great to actually be able to kind of talk it, get our talking out on Oklahoma state football via (laughs) audio. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, if you're not following the podcast, please follow it at feels like 45 pod. We just put out a, I just put out a Twitter thread this week on the two, four, five defensive scheme that Derek Mason ran at Auburn and how maybe that could fit into Oklahoma state's personnel and scheme this year. Uh, you can follow me at dust D U S T R A G U Randall, where can they follow you? Uh, I am at Randy D that's me. R A N D Y. I actually know that one off the top of my head. I just wanted you to say it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, Great episode. Thanks guys so much. I know we met, we skipped recruiting some of the things we normally hit, but since Randall had to come on kind of last minute, we wanted to stick to depth chart, stick to football. And I think it was a lot of fun. So signing off, Kate will be back next week. We'll have our last guest of the big 12 previews. Go Pokes.